Are you an attorney that wants to help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need? But you also want to make better money than you're making right now. This is Elder Law in a Box. You'll become proficient helpers of the aging. Now your host, certified elder law attorney and past president of the National Elder Law Foundation. This is Elder Law in a Box. And this is Todd Watley. Hey there, welcome to Elder Law in a Box Coaching, and I am Todd Watley. So in episode number five, we talked about income, all right? If you've not heard that or if you have questions about what is income and how the state deals with it, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that one because I I go through that. Some states, though, do have a strange rule, and for the life of me, I cannot tell you why they do this, and I've had no one from the state tell me why they do this, and being somewhat cynical, um, having done this for so many years, I, I can't explain why a state would have a cap on income that says if you make over this amount, you do not qualify for Medicaid unless you do something special. And they make that something special so complicated many times that if the person doesn't follow those rules exactly, they are disqualified and therefore the state gets out of paying for care. And that's, I know that sounds extremely cynical, but no one that I've ever talked to can convince me otherwise. So what I'm talking about is commonly known as a Miller Trust, okay? This does not apply to every state. So if your state does not have a income cap, and you can look in the show notes, and I have a list as of 2019, all of the states that are income cap states. And um, if you are a income cap state, this episode is very important because to get a client qualified that has fairly high income, sometimes not even a lot, but fairly high income will have a problem qualifying for Medicaid if you do not do this. Okay. So the official name for this is a, um, a irrevocable income only trust. This is mentioned in federal law, um, but it's commonly known as a Miller Trust because in 1990, a Colorado case, Miller versus Ibera, 746 F-SUP-19 is where you can find it if you care, um, is there, and that is in the show notes also. So Miller versus Ibera is what created this situation, and Mr. Miller made over the income cap but was broke and said, hey, the income cap is so low that being over the income cap means that I cannot pay for the nursing home. I mean, it's it's like you know, $2,300 is the, the income cap. And there is no nursing home anywhere that costs $2,300 a month. So if you're over that amount, you, you make too much money, but you don't have enough money to pay for the nursing home. And so um, it's it's just, it, it's a crazy rule, and I don't know why states do it, but they do. So if the income is too high, you have to create this trust that is a very simple document. Most states give you the form. You just put the client's name on it, fill it out, 
and um, take it to the bank. It, that process is not complicated. What is complicated is making sure that this is done correctly. And here's what I mean. Federal law is fairly clear that any income in excess of the limit will cause them to be disqualified. And so therefore, some states, particularly Florida, says you have to put the excess above the limit into the Miller Trust so that it is out of the the applicant's control and benefit and is in this trust that is that the beneficiary of the Miller Trust is the state. Okay, so it's irrevocable, it's income only, and the beneficiary is the state. So once the applicant puts their money into this trust, they don't control it, particularly, and they don't benefit from it, so it's gone. And therefore, their income is now under the limit, and they now qualify. Now, states are different, okay? I practice in a state that their rule says all income must go into the trust. And they are very particular that if one penny does not go into the trust any particular month, the person is disqualified. That's how brutal they are with this. It is very detrimental and draconian in their action to say, ah, you did not follow the rules, so therefore you were disqualified. Some states um, only require the excess above the limit. And so as long as you put an, enough income to get you under the, the limit, you're okay. So some money goes in the trust, some money doesn't. That would not fly in the state that I practice in. So and. And then, even once the money goes into the Miller Trust, what you do with it can also be subject to state rules. I practice in two states, Arkansas and Oklahoma. Arkansas says the money goes into the Miller Trust, and then that money goes to pay for their care, pays for the insurance. Um, they do get a personal allowance back, or sometimes, particularly if they're married, and the community spouse is not up to the minimum monthly maintenance needs allowance, which we talked about last time, then we can pull money from the Miller Trust and go to that spouse. So what happens in that situation, and clients will look at you and say, this is the craziest process. It's like, I know, but you have to do it. So um, the money goes into their personal checking account from wherever the income comes from. The applicant's income has to go then into the Miller Trust to be accounted for there. And then it goes back to the personal checking account of the community spouse. So it probably goes in this account to the Miller Trust and then goes back into the, the personal account account just to meet the guidelines for Medicaid. It makes no sense. It's crazy. But you have to tell clients that's what they have to do in order to get qualified. All right, we're going to take a break real quick and then come back and I'm going to give you some recommendations after 20 years of practice, things that can make this process go a whole lot easier. Okay. 
Every day in the United States, 10,000 people turn 65, and the number of older adults will more than double over the next several decades, which will represent 20% of the population by 2050. If you are an attorney wanting to get into the elder law field, or an elder law attorney who wants to gain more practical experience, then join Todd Watley, certified elder law attorney and past president of the National Elder Law Foundation for this professional coaching series and learn from Todd and his 21 years of experience. Sign up today at www.elderlawinabox.com. You're listening to the ELIAB podcast, Elder Law in a Box. Here's your host, Todd Watley. Okay, real quick, some some quick recommendations that I would say over 20 years of practice that can make this process go easier. Number one, I highly recommend, particularly if your state is very drastic in what they do, I do a cover letter that lays out all the rules like in my state that says all income must go in. And then many of these recommendations that I'm about to give you should be in that letter and make the person there doing this for your client, for the applicant, make them sign it because I, I can almost in many situations, they will, mess this up. And if you're in a state that a mess up means they are now disqualified from a month of care, that's a very expensive mistake. And I would highly recommend that you have them sign this, give them a copy or give them the original and you keep a copy. And And I have used this numerous times to show clients when they messed up. And even though I told them in this letter, told them what to do. They didn't do it right. And the, the state says, man, you owe $6,000 for this month and they're going to come after you. So I highly recommend that you put this into a letter and have the person working with the applicant sign it saying, yes, I got this. Okay. So some practical tips is real quick, open the Miller Trust at the same bank that their social security goes into or where their income goes into. Because at that point, you can then have the bank do a automatic transfer. Once the money hits their private account, it automatically transfers to the Miller Trust. And then you can also do automatic transfers from the Miller Trust to the nursing home for X number of dollars to their insurance company or back to the community spouse to give them the money that they are due. Okay. Um, Don't let the bank send your client to the trust department. Okay. When they see irrevocable trust, Many times the bank teller, whoever's opening this account is like, oh, this is an irrevocable trust. It, it has to go through our trust department. No, it is just a checking account, okay? And the other recommendation is there is no tax ID number needed. It is the applicant social security number, and that will tell them at the bank, look, this is just a a trust checking account. Yes, it's irrevocable, but this is something that we do Um, for the state, what I have done is at each of our bank 
brands, shall we say, I have one person, one bank manager, someone who I sit down with, explain to them what a Miller Trust is, how it works, why we do it, and then say, can I send my clients to you so that you can set this up correctly? It's the same thing every single time. And that'll make your life easier to answer less phone calls, less confused bank people, explain it to one person and tell your client, look, I need you to either go to this person or when you go to your local branch, give them this person's phone number who works in their bank, call them and they can walk you through this. Okay. That will make your life so much easier. Okay. Um, be careful, particularly if in my state, if the funds in this account get too high, the person can be disqualified, meaning that in my state, all funds that go into the Miller Trust should go to pay for care. And they say, if the balance of this trust account gets over the average cost of nursing home care, or if you're familiar with this, the penalty, the gifting penalty amount then you're disqualified. And that kind of makes sense because if there's an, enough money in the Miller Trust to pay for a month of care, why would Medicaid have to pay for it? Okay. First question is, well, if every time money goes into the Miller Trust, it then goes out to pay for the nursing home, when would it ever build up? In very specific circumstance, if the person goes to the hospital from the nursing home, they get ill, they go to the hospital, they're now under Medicare and their Medicare supplement. And then many times after they have been in the hospital, they go back to the nursing home, but they are under skilled rehab. That is paid for by Medicare, not Medicaid. And so therefore, they will be in the hospital and not generating a nursing home bill. They will be at the nursing home, but they will be in the skilled rehab portion of this nursing home and not generating a nursing home bill. So therefore they're in and they can be there for up to 100 days. So they can easily go three months and not have a nursing home bill. This money goes into the Miller Trust, but it doesn't leave. And therefore it can build up over three months to be higher than the limit, and therefore the person is disqualified. And if you don't tell the family this, and I just tell them in this letter and in person, look, in our state, having too much money in your Miller Trust is a problem. So therefore, if your loved one goes to the hospital for any length of time, and then particularly goes back, and they are being seen daily by PT, OT, and speech, call us because there's some things we have to make sure that you understand so that you don't get this messed up, okay? So um, put this in a letter, put it out the way that you want to. If you want my letter, I'll be glad to share that with you. You can just email me, Todd at elderlawinabox.com, and I will get you my Miller Trust cover layer. Now, some of my rules may not apply in your state, but this will at least get you the idea. So feel free to email me for that. 
All right, so this is Miller Trust. This very unique, certain states have a income cap. And if you do have that cap and your client makes more than that money, you've got to do some things. And that thing is a Miller Trust. Okay, I hope this helps. Um, join us next time. And we're going to jump into gifting. All right, that's the big thing. A lot of clients ask about, can I make gifts? What if I've did gifts in the past, I need some help. And is this going to be a problem? All right. So join me. And that's probably going to be at least two episodes, maybe three, because it's a huge topic. You've been listening to Elder Law in a Box, helping you help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. But it doesn't stop here. If you want to learn more about letting Todd be your elder law coach, find him at www.elderlawinabox.com and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Elder Law in a Box. Thanks for listening. Until next time.